Hey, welcome to whatever these shows are. This is the extra show for the week. Uh, I am Brian. I'm here. And uh, it's not just me this week. I've made Brett come too. Hi, Brett. Hey, how's it going, everybody? It's great to hear from you. And my special guests. I've been trying to get both of these guys on forever. I've had Chris on. But uh, I have not had Kevin on, the host of the Bad Wrestling Podcast, Chris and Kevin. What's up, dudes? What's going on? Yeah, the last time it was supposed to be both of us. I don't even remember what it was, but I couldn't get home. Yeah, but, yeah it's but unfortunately, I can't leave home now, so you got me this time. It turned out okay, I think. I think it, a lot of it ended up being about Hobbs and Shaw. Hi, everybody. I'm Chris, by the way. <laughs> so uh i asked you guys to come on and we were just gonna like shoot the shit about pop culture since you always you have to talk about wrestling all the time on your show i was gonna like free you up to not have to talk about wrestling for once and uh as soon as i said this kevin responded to me and said can we talk some talica so I said, yeah, let me get Brett on the show, though, because he's the Metallica guy. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit of Metallica. Um, first thing I want to ask Brett is, uh, you know, I told you the Boneyard match had a Metallica song on it. Yeah, I, I was super pissed when you didn't know which one it was. I was just so annoyed that you didn't pay attention to what fucking song it was. You cut, you're cut um, now. Your it was a song here. off the most recent album. <laughs> Yeah, Hardwired to Self-Destruct is the album, and it's called Now That We're Dead. Uh, Oh, the song is Now That We're Dead? I like the title track. I haven't listened to that album as much. You're Your mic's cutting out again, Brett. It's back to the bad noise. I think we need a new cord in the studio. That's just my troubleshooting from afar, actually. But uh, have you guys heard uh, Hardwired to Self-Destruct yet, Kevin or Chris? This is a 2017 album. I have, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it, I'll, I'll say it's this. It's not the greatest work. Yeah, it's, it's better than the other old, like kind of older old man Metallica albums, minus one very special one that we might talk about a little bit later. But um, it's not great. There's a song called Am I Savage, which is kind of tight. The song itself, I don't know, but the title's good. So, uh, what is your favorite old Metallica album? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Let's go around and ask everybody first. Like, Chris, what was your favorite Metallica album ever? Um, ever? I mean, it's the boring choice to say, but it's Master of Puppets. But in terms of the old man ones, uh, that would be a little album called Lulu with uh, Lou Reed. There's no way you like that album. I'm going to tell oh, you that right Brian, now. You don't know how much we like sincerely love Lulu. I had no idea you guys like Lulu. Brett hated it. He Lulu said, is a masterpiece. Is it real? Lulu is one of the only CDs I think I've purchased new in the last like 10 years. I buy a lot of used ones, but uh, in terms of new CDs, it's pretty much Lulu and like, I don't know, like one Mozzie album. But uh, it's, <laughs> um, yeah, it's a very special record to me. Uh, it's so I guess it's a mess, but a very very compelling one. <laughs> I guess like my thing is that like I I can only name one album that I've listened to all the way through, 
a bunch of times, and that's and justice for all, which I do think is probably I'm allowed to say that's their best album, I think. But um It's Metallica, man. You can say whatever you want. That's true. But I actually I'll say this. I looked right before we started to record because you guys said because you, you said you wanted to talk Metallica. And I found out that the Black Album is like the number 12 highest selling album in the history of album sales. So uh, that was pretty shocking to me. Like that it was, it it is, it's way up there. I was looking at the list right before we started to record and uh, I'll, I'll get you where it's at. It sold 16 million copies, right? And uh, it is, hold on, hold on. Oh yeah. Um, Boston sold more than Metallica. <laughs> yeah. Um, Garth Brooks, you know, and the Beatles sold a bunch of albums more, but, uh, the album. So Metallica is sandwiched by number is number 22 sandwiched between Bob Marley and the Whalers legend and Led Zeppelin physical graffiti. Those are <laughs> the two albums that it's sandwiched in between, which seems like pretty good company. Yeah. If you're fucking Metallica, like I was thinking about how like fucking ha- they are really legitimately one of the last huge acts that that could probably play a stadium now. They're still doing arena tours. Yeah. Like people yeah, are, arena- people are still coming out to see them. Arenas don't seem as impressive to me, I guess, as because arenas like corn plays arenas. You know what I mean? They they can't do they can't do a uh, 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 stadium. They can't play like the the horseshoe in Columbus, Ohio, though. You know? Yeah. No, I see. What, yeah. No, that's tr- true. I guess it just feels like how many. I guess country music is what really does the stadiums now. Yeah, that's, that's the draw. Yeah, country music is the draw. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. Country music, you know. <laughs> like I, <laughs> but live, I w- like I live in like the least southern place in the country, and country music still does the arenas here. Right? Isn't isn't in New York? You guys don't have a rock station on the radio, do you? Um, I believe we do. The thing is, I live and work on Long Island, so we definitely do. I don't know if they have one in the city. Chris, do you guys have a a, a famous rock station in Philly? I know what WYSP was. We have a WMMR as one of the big rock stations. Um, uh, Yeah, I was gonna say that was the older one. MMR is like kind of the the legacy one at this point. That's still rock radio, but you know, it's uh, they play a lot of things from twenty years ago because that's kind of what rock radio is at this point. That's true. That's true. They play like trapped, headstrong. They'll play yeah, that. Yeah, you still song. hear shit like that. Yeah. And then like <laughs> the new stuff is like, oh, you like this theory of a dead man? You know, like shit like that. <laughs> that, stuff, that stuff is so hard to listen to, to me. Like I just did a guest spot on a podcast where the guy wanted to talk to me about metal. And uh, he was just like, you know, what really bums me out is that you don't talk enough about Breaking Benjamin and like theory of a dead man. And I'm like, I couldn't fucking tell you. I couldn't tell you a thing I about could what Breaking Benjamin a single, sounds like. I could like. not name a song. I just saw him in concert, and I still don't know. <laughs> those are bands, I think. Did that, I lose uh, everybody? What's going on? Nah, you're, no, I have you. What's going yeah, on with my good. sound? 
Oh, he can't hear us. Okay, so now we can get a little crazy. No, uh... <laughs> I was going to say Breaking Benjamin and Theory of a Dead Man. That's like WWE pay-per-view music, not to uh, bring it back to our kind of, you know, our zone. But I'm going to wait for Brian to actually come back. <laughs> can you name a single Theory of a Dead Man song? Uh, yeah, there's one called um, uh, Low Life, I believe. I'm actually what not about, looking this up. What That's about a Breaking Benjamin? Breaking Benjamin, there was one in a video game 15 years ago that I could not tell you the title of. It might be called Firefly, possibly, but I can't tell you for certain. I know it's who are it's, the, like can, like who are the contemporaries of like those bands? Papa Roach. They're like generation after Papa Roach. You know, it's like the people but, who, like they, they don't really over, they don't really oversect with Creed. No, 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 no. That's like late Creed 90s. is much bigger. Creed yeah. was good for a period of time, though. That's the also, thing that people don't understand about Creed is uh-huh. that, like, when they first came Speak out, on it. when they first came out, everybody liked them, and that, like, the, it, it's such bullshit that people, <laughs> that people are like, uh, that people are like, oh, I never fucking liked Creed. It's like, yes, you did. You liked my own prison. You fucking liar. They were huge when mm-hmm. they came out. Brian, let me tell you something. So I'm again, I'm 29. So I was nine years old and my dad won two CDs from the radio station when I was growing up and he played them in the car constantly because they were free. And those CDs were Human Clay by Creed and Devil Without a Cause by Kid Rock. <laughs> well, never for a second. I'm always going to praise those records because they seem formative in a weird way. <laughs> you know, I did speak to somebody. We did a show a long time ago. We did a show like based around new metal a long time ago on the Street Fight feed with, with Michael Siebert. And uh, they were like talking about how, you know, when they were going to high school, their parents were listening to corn and Limp Biscuit and stuff on the way to school. And it was like a really formative experience for them. So it is really funny to me to think of you guys like riding to school in your parents' car listening to fucking Kid Rock. <laughs> That's why when you did those Kid Rock uh with the miniseries, when you were talking about Welcome to the Party, I was like, oh yeah, I remember that song. <laughs> I was like, it's not that bad. And then I actually listened to it and uh, pretty fucking bad, it turns out. It's so bad. I'll tell you what, I sang it for Brett one time just without listening to it. Like we didn't have the audio on or anything. And uh, I just was like, do you remember this song? And I was like, well, my name's Kid Rock. I'm a Capricorn in Detroit City's where I was born. And he was like, that's not a real song. You're lying. And I played it for him. You back, Brett? Yeah. Oh, you still are so crispy sounding. I wish I could play it for you. I don't know. I guess I'll just leave. I don't know what else to do. Well, I love you, Brett, and I'll see you tomorrow. Have a good I'm sorry, man. We were going to yeah. talk Talica. It's that okay. Sucks, Brett. It's You know what? His mic is fucked up. I think that mic was fucking up two weeks ago, too. Uh, but then we got it working, and it's a Yeti. So you know what Yetis do? They break. That uh, Oh, yeah. Quick lesson to every podcaster. Blue microphones fucking suck, and you're better off buying a $30 microphone and just holding it in your hand. Yep. I have a $30 Amazon Basics mic, not to uh, put over the Dread Company, because obviously they suck, but uh, this microphone has worked for me for years with zero problems. And uh, Yeah, we, we do the show, and his $30 mic always sounds much better than my Yeti. Yeah, my I, audio always sounds 
Like mine is always so much worse and I'm on this thing and he just has that. Mine is a uh, Audio Technica ATR 200, but the, the reason it's an $85 USB microphone that I can hold in my hand you know, and the only reason it costs 85, I bought an $85 microphone is because I can expense it and get my money back from the business, yeah. you know, but I, but when me and Brett, it's funny cause people will get like, they'll be, uh, uh, uh I'm going to, I'm going to fucking be mean to somebody right now. You guys are bringing it out in me, Kevin and Chris. Uh, we always do. We, we've got new to, uh, we've got a new shoot, as they say in the wrestling world, on I'm, many people. Like, I'm about to Bix, shoot right now. Not Sam. Uh, what's hey, it? Bix just followed me. Be nice. No, I'm not going to shoot on Bix. I promise. I would never. But there, the the dude that left struggle session, right? JDB. Like mm -hmm. when he was running a, uh, he was he was running a GoFund, not a GoFundMe, a Kickstarter for a podcast, and he was trying to get three thousand dollars. I was like, you know, Street Fight costs a total of eighty dollars to start, <laughs> and like you can really do this very cheaply. It's not that fucking hard to do. Yeah, I've seen that multiple times. Of people, not him specifically, but people like kind of throwing a lot of money together. They need to book a full studio, things like that. And it's like I don't really know if that's necessary unless you're doing a very specific thing. Then you I, think, like I kind of get it. You think it's because they want to leave the house? You know what I mean? Like they, they, because like I know now. You know, the reason I love you guys is because you're just like I don't, don't want to make any money. I don't give a fuck if I ever make any money off of this, and. uh you know, there there are a lot of people now starting podcasts and thinking like this is going to be my fucking career, <laughs> and it's like I don't think that's a good idea. I think it's the worst. I if you're out there and you think it's going to be your career, trust me, this is a fucking fluke that this thing happened for me. It's like such a clear thing too you know what i mean like it's so obvious that this is not something that's just it takes luck you know what i mean on some level and there are people who are like setting patreons up and setting merchandise up before they've even dropped a single episode and it's like i really don't think you should do that no <laughs> it's a bad idea that's I mean, like a sincere crescentstein move <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, we I, I i can tell you guys this when we first started the first the the first podcast or the second podcast I ever did, but the first one I ever did with Brett and with two other guys, we did make t-shirts and it was just like fucking 15 people were listening and none of them liked me and Brett. You know what I mean? They all like the other two guys. <laughs> so it was like, why are we, why did we make shirts even, you know, the, 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 I mean, it's fine. I, I, people still wear them that we hang out with, but like, it's just, it's kind of like, uh, it seems very easy to make a living doing this. And when I started, no, when, when I actually started podcasting, I think it was like 2009, maybe 2008, there was nobody doing it. So I kind of figured like, well, no, not a lot of people are doing this. So maybe I can be a big deal as a podcaster. And then, uh, seven years later, I started making my living doing a podcast, you know, <laughs> Yeah, it's of, a long game. It's an abundance of luck too. It's like if Chapo doesn't hit, you know, where are we? If Chapo doesn't hit and say like, "Oh, hey, you know, these guys came from we came from these guys." Who knows where we end up, you know? You're just lucky our friends hit big, I guess. <laughs> but um there's, 
Yeah, it's like it's like if your best friend hits on the lottery, you know you're going to get to enjoy in it too. Do you really yeah, there's that, really though? no way to know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pointless to like it's pointless to kind of gear the thing toward it's like if you started it really is like if you started a band and you expected you expected to make it and be in arenas, you know? It like it's yeah. just it's that much of a long shot that you're going to make enough money to live comfortably i mean you can uh, i think you know i thought you guys could launch a patreon at this point you have enough people listening and you you do something different and cool and you've built your own world but like uh i admire the people who are like you know maybe someday i will but like i'm fine with just what i'm doing you know yeah there's a I certain mean, the level. reason we i mean at least for me the reason i think we never want to do it is because we don't I don't think we have enough time to do multiple a week. Yeah, I definitely don't. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to ask for money if I can't assure that I'm going to be able to put the extra shit out. And I know we can't. Yeah, with us, it's like uh, with us, we split it all up. You know, like there, there's yeah. a very bit. There's a clear division of labor with this thing where I make most of the shows. You know, I like all the extra content. It's sort of me and I, I handle the Patreon feed because he handles all the business stuff because like mm -hmm. what happens, here's another thing for people that want to like make their living doing this is it turns into an actual fucking business when you're doing that. Like it turns into a business that brings in money and has employees and has to do taxes and pay payroll taxes and stuff. So I would just keep that in your mind too. Like I never thought yeah. stand up. I, I never thought that doing comedy had so much business involved with it until I started doing this. Yeah, I mean, that's why for me, and I, I can't speak for Kevin, the appeal has always been just doing it as a hobbyist. Like, it's like, hey, once a week, I'll watch some show that sucks ass, and then I will talk to Kevin for a couple hours about it. And then we'll probably talk for like an hour after about like whatever the fuck's going on. And, you know, it's like, especially now during quarantine, like that's really, you know, like these, yeah. it's a valuable thing to do. But uh, I, I never saw it as like, you know, I don't, I don't want to make a full-time living like that that was never something i intended to do and i think it would be like I, you know like the rewards are there but i really like it being kind of a low stakes fun thing and obviously that's not for everybody but uh and a little level of presumptuous is you know it that, that's good sometimes i always think of uh this is a tangent but like when the rapper slim thug his first album was called already platinum yeah <laughs> like like that's like i i admire that kind of thing you know what i mean <laughs> but like that doesn't always work <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Kid Rock in his first album uh, had the line, I'm going platinum. And it's like, that's really calling your shot. But, you know, the truth is, like, if you say that and it never happens, you know, like that's, nobody yeah. even knows that it, you know what I mean? Nobody knows that it didn't go platinum. So that's true. You're yeah. set on both sides of that kind of thing. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I just, uh, I think, like, I do the POD cast basically as a hobby. Like he'll send me money every he'll he sends me money, but I like don't think about it ever. And like, I'm not even like concerned with getting paid for it. I, I, I would have been happy just doing it once a month and not doing the bonus content. But like, you know, I, I, I just like doing it. I, I like talking to John every week and, and I think it's really fun or like, I like working with brace. I love doing your, I do your guys' show every month. Now we talk about a different wrestling podcast 
and it's like one of my favorite times of the week like is of the month is when i get to do that show that's why i had you guys yeah. on the sam robert you've managed to take like the two things for the show i've been least excited to talk about and got like the best episodes out of them <laughs> well the sam roberts thing uh he's a fucking weird dude like i do i know so, i've been watching him since 2004 I've I've been familiar with Sam Roberts and following his career since 2004. So like uh I knew that I could get a lot out of him just because I knew him from Opie and Anthony. I've 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 just know I I feel like I know the guy personally and I think he's a psycho. And uh that's why I wanted to cover <laughs> I think that was the thing too is that he's so much weirder of a radio personality even in the wrestling sphere. Like he seems like such an anodyne kind of shill when you first notice him, but it, it gets le- so much deeper. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like his booking ideas are like clearly the product of a diseased mind. You know? <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot. There is a lot to him. I mean, he has this skill that I admire in people of like not really being uncomfortable. I, I would, I would love to be able to like, you know, do an interview and like do a fake interview and be mean to somebody that I don't like. You know what I mean? But. <laughs> It's so out of my wheelhouse. I'm like not good at it. But um, so here's what I wanted to do with you guys this week, because uh, you two have very strange taste in wrestling, first of all, but in everything, really. I know that you do. And I wanted to sort of have you guys on to talk about like uh, uh, pop culture, like what kind of stuff we're consuming during this quarantine and maybe we can all do some recommendations for people uh that they could they could consume and uh so i was gonna start with some movies uh Mm -hmm. have you guys watched any movies since you've been locked in the house chris I can say for a fact, I actually have not. The last movie I saw, this I know this isn't great. I was watching a ton beforehand. The last thing yeah, I did, strange. I saw The Invisible Man in the theater, which I, I kind of liked. And then quarantine started, and I've been reading a lot. I've been playing a lot of video games. And like I've been uh, mostly just kind of, kind of vegging a little bit. But uh, I'm actually... I was watching a ton of movies immediately before, and for uh, most of the my life before that yeah yeah do you have any that you're gonna try to get to while you're uh while while you're stuck in um it's mostly just kind of stuff that comes to me like you know like i i think part of it too doing the podcast i've been watching a lot more wrestling but um the thing is i think i'm kind of going back to things that were comfortable in the past if that makes sense and that goes for both good stuff and like shit stuff that's interesting and um you know like comfort food with with movies that's a very real thing i mean you know like everybody has something they go back to and um for me it's like i like uh i I like low budget movies specifically made by musicians like i like a lot of like (laughs) shitty rap movies if um those are they're very good to me like i mean like i there was a period where every famous rapper was putting a movie out you know and I, it, you don't really see it as much today. I got the hookup. Uh, well, well, Chris, Chris, exactly. before you say that you don't really see that, I know somebody, a, a man who can sort of be considered a rapper that Uh-oh. put out a movie recently. And <laughs> I believe it's, it's a Street Fight favorite, too. Have you heard of Fred Durst? 
Oh. Yeah, the fanatic. Yeah, the that fanatic movie fucking great. rock. No, Chris, have you seen uh, the new How High with uh, uh, Lil Yachty in it? No, I haven't. I've seen the original uh, multiple times, and like, I love the original. Like, I think it doesn't totally work as a movie, but it works enough. Yeah. And also, the f- I. I still like one of the weirdest pieces of trivia to me is like Bob Dylan's son directed that. And like, I always think about like what the generation, like, you know, like did they ever talk about, I don't know, but uh, I've never seen the sequel and sequels to like beloved rap movies. That's like a very real thing. Like when they put a sequel to belly out like 15 years later with none of the cast, like I love that shit, but I've never seen how high to, they didn't tell you they did last year. They put out, I got the hookup to and how high to both came out last year which is a a a pretty incredible couple of uh 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 callbacks to like (laughs) like i got the hookup came out in 1998 i think i was gonna say it's like a over 20 year old movie yeah yeah is it still starring like no limit guys like how does that (laughs) uh spider fat boy oh wait wait hold on let me look at the uh yeah, it looks like it has Master P, Anthony Johnson, Romeo Miller, Snoop Dogg, Gretchen Palmer. It has real people in it. I I, I think like the 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 uh the the music guy movie is one of the best one of the best kind of uh genres of movie. I I I like I'm trying to think of one I mean, I like some kind of monster, which is a music guy movie, which me and Brett have watched <laughs> in quarantine is what we watched. We recently watched Pump Up the Volume. Have you guys seen that? I've actually never I seen Pump Up the Volume. Oh, it made me want a podcast, man. Uh, <laughs> it was like a 90s movie about a pirate radio station that uh, this this dude like he got the whole high school up in arms and the FCC came and busted them. It's like a real Bonnie and Clyde sort of story, but with podcasters basically, which Christian Slater, right? It is. It is. Yeah. Well, I wanted to be Christian Slater when I was like 13 or maybe (laughs) even 10. I saw gleaming the cube and I started dressing like him as as (laughs) soon as I saw that movie. I mean, not like Jack Nicholson swag. He kind of had for a few years. Like he was very good at that. (laughs) He was, he was he came off very cool and he's got a little weird like after but you know. yeah he's cool though um kevin are you watching anything right now um i've been i've been watching king of the hill again uh, that's comfort yeah. food From right start there. to finish <laughs> <laughs> and i'm in the end right now and have you ever watched the end like the last two seasons of king of the hill the way i watch king of the hill is that i just go in and look like I just go in and like kind of roulette it and I'll just let whatever play. Cause I haven't seen them all. Oh, Same. Okay. yeah. You haven't seen them all because it's very hard to talk about like the, re- the era where Peggy's a real estate agent and Luann is married to Tom Petty. <laughs> I had no idea about that era. It's weird how those, like how many seasons did King of the Hill go? 13. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine writing a coherent story for 13 years? Like, I think they were, like, probably pumping out 20 episodes a season, 20 or 22. They're typically 22 or 24. I think the 13th or the last two might only be 12, though. It seems like an impossible task to me. When I look at, like... Yeah, like, they're they're just not as good as the original ones, but, like, they're not... 
it, you're, it's not like late period Simpsons or something where it's just unwatchable. I don't. I never. I feel like the Simpsons are the same now as they ever were. You know, I know people are probably going to get mad at that, but I feel like the Simpsons only went through the one change where Homer didn't have that weird, creepy voice <laughs> and then he turned into real Homer. And then they're all basically the same after that. But that again, I haven't watched the Simpsons since probably the nineties. I think one of the most cursed things is I'm just not like a huge Simpsons person. Oh, uh, see, yeah, I grew up with The Simpsons, so I had a very strong attachment to it until, like, I would say probably, like, 02, 03, and then it wasn't even specifically at that point the show got really, really bad. I just kind of stopped caring about it, and I think that's probably what everybody who likes The Simpsons goes through. Yeah, do you and, think do you yeah. think it's like MTV, you know, where it's just like at some point you get to an age and you're like, I don't can watch The Simpsons anymore. I kind of wonder that because like I'm sure on some level it has gotten worse because at this point it's been on for what like over like it's like 25 years or something and I'm sure they've they've run out of things to do with this group of people you know and that's fine but like I also think it's a little bit of uh I mean it's funny not to tie it back to the podcast again it's a little bit like wrestling where like the wrestling you grew up with is like what you perceive to be the best on some level for a long time I mean that's not true with everybody but that's kind of usually how it is it's not true with me, Chris. I got to be honest. I think the wrestling, well, no, maybe. I don't know. Somebody asked me my favorite wrestler recently of all time, and it's Kevin Nash. So, obviously, uh-huh. yeah, he's Listen, a great. We all love him sexy. But yeah. um, I don't I don't know. I, I don't think that's how it is for me for wrestling. I think wrestling, it, it's pretty mixed on what the best stuff is. You So, for you, it's like. I mean, you don't, the thing about Kevin is that he doesn't, I never know what you actually enjoy in wrestling because sometimes it feels like you don't like, like that you don't, you only like bad stuff. It seems. I mean, there's some, there's just some points in wrestling where I'm just not very into any of the major companies. So at that point, the only thing to really look for is to seek out the bad or the funny shit because i'm just not really into like what what else is on you know does that make sense yeah Yeah. it just it feels like like do you care about like the athleticism do you like seeing the like cool athletic main events or or i mean which I, i this is what how i perceive your taste is that you like the more carny type stuff and you'd like oh yeah getting more out of nothing true that's definitely true because like there's just uh, there's only so much you can do yeah like in terms of in-ring shit like there's plenty there's just so much everywhere on every card like you'll see good moves and good dives and good matches and whatnot it's not that important anymore it's not like a treat that you get one great match a show it's usually basically everybody is pretty good now yeah so you gotta yeah. do something else to stand out the working standard has raised so much more, and like I, I told there's Kevin, there's just no shitty yeah. guys anymore, right? And I told and you, and when this they on are, the, they really stick out. We were talking about the Gangrels Wrestling Asylum, where I was like, I, I think I had an epiphany. My favorite kind of match now is a 50 year old, 45 year old wrestler showing up and just big timing someone half their age, <laughs> and like, and like to me, that's like wrestling. I love it. That's wrestling heaven to me, and like I think bad taste has like seeped into my own like to a level that's like irreversible and i don't know if that's the case for kevin but i think i think i I like i actually think i like way more current stuff than you which is the uh, weird thing really 
I think I watch more. That that's probably true. Yeah, because yeah. I watch a lot of. Yeah, stuff. maybe not that I like like more like. Yeah. But I I think I just watch like I'll watch like a good amount more. You definitely keep up with like Japan a lot more than me at this point. Or like I'll watch yeah. like like maybe like one show a month. You know, it's like not yeah. much. Yeah. Have you guys considered getting the big time wrestling Insta Slam? Their their streaming service for big time wrestling. Um, I am now. Yeah. <laughs> that might be the one for me, honestly. <laughs> on the front page, it's got just at, hold on, uh, just added April twenty seventh, twenty eighteen, Watertown, New York, and it's got Sabu, Kevin Nash, and uh, Scott Steiner on it on on the uh, picture. So. Yeah, this looks good. James Ellsworth is there. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat is there. Hacksaw Jim Duggan is there. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what they're doing. But See, like, that, that's what we call a super card. Yeah, yeah, that is. A, that is. I mean, there is something like really appealing about. There's something really appealing to me about guys like not killing their body, getting a lot, doing nothing. It's like a really, it's pretty incredible to me. And it, 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 I have grown to appreciate those matches. I mean, that's why we have to go back to another one of our recent episodes that the peak of everything is just Jarrett. Yes. Yes. Jeff Jarrett is like, he, he's, uh, I mean, nobody gets more out of less than Jarrett. Exactly. Cause there's guys before him who have done this, but he's like, he is the apex of this particular thing. He does a lot of punches. He stooges off a lot. He always looks like the smartest guy in the room. It's just like he's everything you want from this kind of wrestler. And I, Jeff Jarrett, like, if one thing can be gleaned from our podcast is that Jeff Jarrett kicks ass. And, like, we got to reevaluate Jeff Jarrett because he still gets a lot of hate. I mean, I think, like, it's funny because he was pushed very hard when I was watching WWF when I was younger. Jeff Jarrett was like always there. He was always, you know, right around the uh, intercontinental title. Sometimes he would flirt with like the upper mid card or like a uh, upper card. And like, I hated his guts, but then like over time, especially with TNA wrestling, I fucking fell in love with the guy because he was fucking so, uh, uh, I mean, it seemed like he was in, you could basically, if you watched it, you could tell he was in charge of the company <laughs> like by the way that mm -hmm. the way that his character was done. And there's something, uh, uh, I mean, in a weird way, there's something like insurrectionist about stuff like that. Like where I, I bring this example up a lot, but it's one of the reasons Kevin Nash is one of my favorite guys of all time is that Goldberg had this streak going on of like, Fuck, I don't remember. It was like a hundred and something matches. And they were like trying to figure out how they were going to beat him because at some point you have to beat a professional wrestler. He like can't just be on a streak forever. That can't be his gimmick, which it would be a cool one. But, you know, and anyway, Kevin Nash got they gave Kevin Nash the job as Booker. And then he was like, I think I know who should beat. Uh, Goldberg and that's me and I, like there's something I totally respect about that where it's just like I I got I got the perfect guy for it. and a lot of dudes will like I mean almost anybody you let book a promotion that's a wrestler will be the champion of that promotion yep I think Nash like, and Jared oh, are definitely yeah. like two sides of a similar coin almost but they went in very different paths 
I was going to compare them both to Dusty Rhodes, who's a guy who every time they would give him booking stints multiple times, and every time it would end up with it was just like a snake, or it was like in his nature. He was always going to be on top, no matter how old he was. He'd always default to like Dusty has the belt. Maybe Dustin is getting pushed really hard. Dusty's on all the TV. Oh wait, you're mad at Dusty? He's going to bring someone out and have them put a spike in his eye on TV and you know get fined for blood. <laughs> He's just like that kind of the dick swinging in wrestling like that. I guess one of my think, yeah. No, go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. No, I was going to just say that the uh the dick swinging I think has kind of become seen as a negative, you know, but like for me, I I love that shit. Like guys who are just way too over the top and they have to be petty tyrants in wrestling, which is like a funny place to be a petty tyrant. <laughs> it's like that's what it's all about. I love it. Sorry, go ahead. I think of it like I I do think of it like that, like where it's like uh I mean, everybody in that business is out for themselves. There isn't like real solidarity and maybe that's why it's one of the last places where guys where guys can do stuff like that where you can get that really big head because it it has to be pretty hard like uh, say you're in a rock band now and even you're the biggest rock band the biggest new rock band in the country right now like most people have no fucking idea who you are anyway and I feel like it's very hard to get a big head. Now, if you're a wrestling guy, if you're a wrestler and you're near the top, and, and I'm talking like, you know, back when WCW was out, uh, TNA, I would count in this, uh, Ring of Honor and, and WWE, you could really, like when you get to the top of the card, you're standing sometimes in front of 60,000 people like at a stadium, you know? And you can really convince yourself that you're great. And I think that is the, that's the thing that like really, that's the thing that almost endears me to wrestling now, because that's sort of a, that's sort of dumb luck, dumb guy that thinks he's really great and really smart and gets really famous somehow. It just, I don't think it happens as much as it used to. No, wrestling. Yeah. Wrestling definitely attracts like a very particular, but very funny kind of psychopath. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a very special individual that can't survive in any other ecosystem. It's a, to me, it is about like, uh, uh, the, uh, I'm so fucking great that like uh, I think I should be the champ all the time. And it reminds me of the Fred Durst. I have this Fred Durst theory, or this it's this thing about Fred Durst, right? Where like. Uh, at, at, significant other was being recorded they knew it was gonna be a monster fucking album you know that they knew that like the last album sales trended up they had a bunch of hits they were going to get a really big push from the record label and he was like i just want to make the best album possible and on that album there is a rap song with method man and Fred Durst <laughs> trades verses with Method Man. And I'm just like, the confidence that he had with his rapping abilities that he would do a song with Method Man is like, that's the kind of confidence I want. You very rarely see that on that level where it's like, man, I don't know if you should be there. I think that's like a DJ Premier beat too, where he's it like, is. I'm going to get the hottest producer and one of the hottest rappers. And you know what? I, I belong. And like, <laughs> I mean, not even one of the Chris, it would be one thing if it was like one of the hottest rappers, 
but it was not only one of the hottest rappers, but maybe one of the greatest rappers that, like one of the greatest freestyle guys that ever fucking did it. And that was like that period too, where there was still so much goodwill. Wu Tang was not just like a cargo shorts act, like it kind of is now, where like there were, it was still a huge deal at that point, you know. And uh, for Fred Durst to just kind of roll up and be like, you know, I'm I'm just like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I like, like it though. I think I I think that is such a, that's a wrestler thing, man. Like, totally. Mick Foley the other day begging for a boneyard match. It's like, dude, you don't need to fucking wrestle anymore, man. I'm sure you have plenty of money and you can just live off of the money. Live somewhat of a decent life, you know? Wrestling is absolutely like a mafia deal where it's like once you're once you're in, you never get out. Yeah. No matter what, they always you they always come back. It's they can't leave. I mean, I think it's probably the attention. I, I, I think there are guys that are a lot like me and I'm like, I just need attention, you know, like I'm, I'm truly suffering in this quarantine because I can't be in front of an audience. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like actually dreaming that I'm on stage. Like I'm dreaming that I'm up there and like, I was talking to Brett the other night and I'm fucking telling him like, you know, I know that the live part isn't the whole of our job. But it feels like it is to me. It's because it's like the most fun, best part. Yeah, it sounds like it's the best part. <laughs> yeah, it's the most fun. So I'm like, if we're not on the road, we're not fucking doing shit. And uh, so this time has been really weird. And and like I can imagine when you're a wrestler and you make the decision to retire, you don't consider the fact that when you retire, people aren't going to tell you how great you are anymore. <laughs> yeah, then you have to like go on like the WrestleCon circuit and sh- like that. And you just have to, if you want to get that praise, you just have to like sign autographs and take pictures with weirdos. Yeah, it, it seems <laughs> it's not like, the same. No, no, no. You want to be in that ring. I mean, like, I think that's why so many of the older people will like get humiliated on WWE TV and just keep coming back. You know, they they just they want to just be there. They just want to be in front of the audience. They can't stand the idea of like sitting at home with whatever wrecked family they have at that point. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, all, part of it too is like, it's in some of these guys cases, it's the only thing they really know how to do. So, you know, like they just have to keep returning to it and they don't want to settle. They want to do the thing they know how to do. And it comes for everyone. Like I think of, uh, the guy who I always thought was going to stay retired because he seemed very at peace with it was Shawn Michaels. And um, he came back bald with a bandana to wrestle for a million dollar paycheck in Saudi Arabia after like nine years. So, yeah, it, yeah, it's always going to come for you. The money, you know, wanting to do Edge, it. I'm not, fucking Edge is back. <laughs> right. Edge is back. He got stem cells so he could. He was supposed to die if he took another bump in the ring. Yep. And he got stem cells so he could wrestle again and have a very uh a very unique match an odd <laughs> wrestlemania match that is true that was, it, i mean it was long as fuck uh you know i did struggle session today and leslie actually like really liked that match and i was like that's the thing you like i am fascinated <laughs> by that i thought that was awful <laughs> i was I mean, in a chat with you it guys had great moments the stuff in the gym where they did like the Benoit choke and then he like the Benoit tribute, like, like if the match was like 15 minutes shorter I would ironically argue it match of the year just for the Benoit spot but like yeah. it, I, it was so long yeah I, think I 
I think I saw the only WrestleMania match that's longer than it is uh, Brett versus Sean that went, you know, the Iron Man that was an hour long. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, an hour long match. I, I don't know. I hate to be one of these guys that's like, can we keep it at like 20 minutes? But I think 20 minutes is the amount of time. 20 minute match is like a three and a half minute song. It's just the perfect amount of time for a song to happen and a match to happen. Yeah, I mean, you can do, like, like the Brett and Sean thing was a rare one. So you can do yeah. that once every couple of years. Yeah, I'm not big into the super long epics. Like, I think about the old days of the indies where they were having, like, you know, like... <laughs> the Elgin have, era, like Elgin and Davey going forever. Even before that, like, Danielson and Aries having, like, the never-ending one where they were trying to hit, like, two hours, but I think they made 90, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It's like, why the fuck would you do that? Like, that's not even entertaining. The <laughs> crowd doesn't even like that. Like, the crowd... Yeah. It feels like at wrestling, when you go to a wrestling show, people... I mean, I have been totally engrossed in matches live. Like, uh, I was bring up uh, Will Ospreay versus Matt Riddle. I saw that in New Orleans, and it was just like this really incredible match that, like, it had everybody standing up. Like two guys that I don't even care about. Like they're both neither one of those two guys am I like I'm not like a huge fan of either one of them. But the match was this like really incredible match. And then I also saw uh, Walter versus or PCO versus Walter, and that one like engrossed me. Like I was so into it. But it was also on mushrooms, and it looked like an old man was maybe gonna die that night. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that match. I didn't even see that live, but I remember thinking that match was incredibly sick. So, yeah. like you know, that I was like four was rows great. back. I was four rows back, and it was just fucking like everybody in the room was like seriously concerned for this guy. Another match like that that I saw live was Double or Nothing, and this might have been my favorite match of last year. At Double or Nothing, when Dusty Dustin Rhodes wrestled Cody Rhodes, uh, fuck the people in the audience like we're really like i think i think this has gone too far i think they need to end this thing and i was like oh my god wrestling is fucking real <laughs> <laughs> the, you don't see that that often like i think that i was gonna say um the one i was thinking of was the gcw show from la a couple years ago where it was nick gage versus david arquette yes and David oh. arquette led everywhere and like briefly shot on nick gage and it was just like you don't get this anywhere else like this is why you know we can talk about this because david arquette survived like if he didn't i probably wouldn't even bring this match up but like <laughs> you know he he's okay so it's okay we could talk about it and like he was like fucking gushing and it was like you know uh the messiah from xpw ran into this uh a murder scene just one of the strangest things i'd ever seen in my life and it fucking kicked ass <laughs> yeah i mean that's the i think that's like one of the reasons to still go to live wrestling and even like concerts can be that way too i think like sometimes i've gone to concerts where it felt like this fucking thing is getting off the rails i actually just talked about this on chapo but no, I'm just saying it on here too. I think that show's already going to be out. But I'm reading this oral history of heavy metal, and uh, there's a the first few chapters. Uh, the, I think I'm on the third chapter, and it's a, a lot about the British metal scene, like Iron Maiden, uh, Judas Priest. You know, like oh, uh, those kind of wave guys. or whatever, like with like Motorhead and all that kind of shit. Yeah, like like early 80s late 70s right yeah so there is a story in there uh rob halford from judas priest is like telling the story where he once they decided to wear the biker stuff they were like we gotta fucking look tough 
and cool, which is a very funny way for them to like think that they looked tough. <laughs> like the funny biker hat and the small leather jacket. <laughs> but he was like, we got to do fucking like really edgy things. And so he went out and he got a fucking uh, 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 machine gun and he loaded it with blanks and he said he would shoot it in the air and like the the fucking casings were coming out and landing on the ground and the audience was just like holy shit he's shooting a machine gun in the sky this is fucking great and then he would point it at the audience and he said like every time they looked like terrified <laughs> this guy is gonna stand on stage and shoot me because they didn't know it was blanks and he was like i thought it was just like a really cool thing and they would know i wouldn't kill him and i'm like i don't know man <laughs> like that is that's definitely not happening in 2020 but it just seems like such a crazy like you can be caught up in moments like that like when when you go when you go do something live in a big crowd of people you know, that reminded me, this is tangential, but I, I, there's nowhere else I'm going to bring this up because of audience interaction. There was this rapper, he died uh, maybe five years ago, Sean Price, and the story may be apocryphal. So I apologize to the family of Sean Price if it's not. But I was told that uh, he would have these concerts. He was a great rapper. And then uh, after the show, he would put on a ski mask and like rob people who went to his shows afterwards. <laughs> and like, I remember hearing that and I was like, that's the tightest shit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Right, like that's uh, that's what like you know fan interactions all about, and I uh, <laughs> wrestling probably has that too. <laughs> I mean, wrestling does have a certain because like when you go to an indie show, like there is a thing about when you go to an indie show where like you you will meet the wrestlers. Like you don't have to. Obviously, I don't bug them because I feel yeah. like I'd be bugging them. But like, if you went to a wrestling show and your intention was to meet every wrestler on a card, you very easily can do that. You know, they're, they're standing usually right out there watching the wrestling with you. Very few they're people. hustlers. They're always yeah. trying to sell the merch. Like, I can't think of too many who don't work the tables. Like, I know Nick Gage doesn't work the tables. He's the only one I can think of. Off the MJF. There's a few of yeah, but no, MJF right. does actually, but I don't think he signs anything. He didn't have any merch for a very long time. He would sit sort of, uh, uh, I know he would hang out in the back of the room at AIW shows that I went to, but I don't think he signed stuff and I don't think he took pictures or anything. I remember there was a period where you would pay him instead of getting pictures, he would just insult you, which, uh, uh yeah, you, hey. You want to hear funny? Want to hear like my parents used my people in my family used to always try to like tell me what job I should do. They 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 would like tell me I'm funny, and they would be like, "You should write." One time, my grandma said, "You should write for a TV show like Seinfeld," and I was like, "Yeah, you think I should?" (laughs) 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 Let me just put a fucking application in. But like um. But like there was a time where my sister, she called me, my older sister, who is like this big Renaissance fair dork. And uh, she she called me out. She makes chain mail. That's like her job is that she makes dorks chain mail. <laughs> wild. This is a piece of lore. I never knew so that. She's crazy. also a cobbler. Yeah, this is nuts. Yeah, she's also a cobbler for a living. She makes a living as a cobbler. And she got a hold of me. I don't talk to her very much at all anymore but she got a hold of me one time and she was like uh, hey brian i i was just thinking about you t- 
today and and i know you have a hard time at your job i, I was a cable guy at this time she's like i know you're having a hard time with your job and you don't like it and you know i wanted to suggest to you and i know some people that could get you hooked up to do this why don't you go to renaissance fairs and be one of the guys that people pay to insult them (laughs) no (laughs) you couldn't you couldn't do that to yourself you refuse would you put on a jet like imagine the clothes you would have to wear to do that oh not not in a million years no (laughs) yeah and then you have to insult other people in those fucking medieval clothes look the people that like it i'm sure it's very fun it is like really so far away from any of my aesthetic choices in my life that i don't think i i could do it plus like like have you guys ever heard of dick's last resort uh, I do not think I have. You don't. I guess they don't have those in great cities like Philly and New York. What they are? <laughs> is yeah, I don't a, know what this is. So they're in tourist cities, uh, or like I think there's one in Nashville. There used to be one here for some reason. But what they are is you go in and they make you a dunce cap out of a big white piece of paper, and they write like an insulting nickname on it, and then the service is just they're like rude to you for the service. They just like kind of throw the plates down and stuff like that. And uh, people go fucking nuts for it. I never went to one because I don't want to be insulted by my waiter and I like good service. Uh, so it's like a restaurant for people who are not subs to role play being subs for a meal. <laughs> That's, it's, uh, it's, I mean, I'm, I, I struggle to find out what's fun about that. And I guess it's just like a normal <laughs> normal people probably do enjoy it i guess it's probably guys like me that hate it but like most 90 percent of of the world would be like that sounds like fun you know they give you a nickname like shorty and (laughs) they they ignore you when you ask for a refill great it sounds fucking great yeah have you ever been to like one of those gimmick places like the hard rock or like uh uh nah you've never gone to, to any of those yeah. you've been to the hard rock yeah yeah um not actually the local one i was when i was on vacation in florida probably like 15 20 <laughs> years ago i was at a hard rock and what can you say about it there's there's wonderful rock memorabilia none of which i can remember it's like real low tier stuff you know it's i don't know why a human being would go there i think (laughs) the weirdest thing i've done on tour and really enjoyed is uh me and brett uh were broke well we didn't want to get we were in las vegas and we didn't want to do five dollar games like it five dollar minimum roulette or no ten dollar minimum roulette it was all up to like ten dollar minimum and i was just like i don't want to and i i will fucking lose a lot of money doing this yeah that's a dangerous game <laughs> so we walked over to the fucking hooters casino and it's probably the trashiest place i've ever been to in my life but it was incredible and there and like you could play one dollar roulette and they were playing mtv <laughs> classic 90s rock videos while you were there and it was just like that they they made sure they brought you the drinks it was just like this really great trashy experience that that you don't get very often if you just like if you live in I mean, you can speak to the, both of you guys can speak to this too. Like you got, you, Chris, you live in Philly, right? 
Yeah, yeah. And and Kevin, you're on Long Island, but you're pretty close to New York, right? Yeah, I mean, I can get there in like a half hour. So like, when there's like good stuff that you can go get to eat, there's never any reason to go to a gimmick restaurant, you know? No. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting you say that because like that is true, but there is a Hard Rock Cafe right next to the train station in Center City, and that shit is always packed, and not, and it's clearly not just with tourists. Like, it's like locals go there too, and I'm like, hey, there's a, there's a lot of options where you can get the same shit for more, but people just really want to go, and you know, you might hear rocking in the free world, you know, so it's like... The oddest thing about Philly to me is that like, if you talk to anybody that lives there, you don't go to those two cheesesteak places, you know? Yes. And even yeah. if you go on the internet and you search, you still don't go to those two cheesecake cheesesteak places, but motherfuckers line up at those cheesesteak places every day, <laughs> like yeah. 50 deep. And it's like, it's just, it's such a fucking weird, crazy thing to me to like, when I trap, like I never consider doing something like that when I go to a city, <laughs> you know? I, it's interesting. I've never been to uh, either. This is beloved institutions, Pat's and Geno's. Um, yeah, the, <laughs> the racist, racist one. <laughs> yep, yeah, the racist one and the slightly less racist one. And um, yeah, I've never actually been to them before because when I was first living here, I was living right outside Philly in Maniunk where there are two cheese safe places across the street from each other that are like like small locally owned ones. So I was like, I'll just fucking check these out, you know? And uh, actually, I think Kevin went to one of them on my recommendation once and... Uh, yeah, that one that was out in like the outskirts. Yes, yeah. Um, and I believe you had uh, some kind of issue with the waiter or something like that. Yes. What happened? Yes. Yeah, one of the waiters was being racist to my ex-girlfriend. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> the Philly experience, baby. But the food was very good. I've got a good... Yeah. I, wouldn't go, I wouldn't go there again off principle, but like... <laughs> Food I, was good. Like your recommendation was good in spirit. I'll give you that much. <laughs> I had I had the craziest experience in a in a Philadelphia bar that like uh it was right across the street from where we were performing. And uh we met Trevor uh from No Cartridge. He was he was a surprised guest on the show. So he was like, Oh, there's a fucking Chinese food place there that has a bar right across the street. Let's meet there and hang out and talk about what we're going to do. So we all decided to go there. And when we got there, the waiter was fucking watching TV and they were showing a plane crash that the video was recorded inside the plane while the plane was crashing. Somebody was like live on Snapchat or Instagram live or something. And like, I turned my head like I do not want to see a bunch of people like one minute before they're about to die <laughs> and they know right. it, you know and this guy is like oh that's not even the best video and then he brought up another longer video and he held his phone in front of our places like can you believe this like this is fucking cra <laughs> this is the bartender the guy that works at the fucking restaurant <laughs> is showing us a snuff film basically <laughs> That's the thing, yeah. The a lot of the Philly bartenders in particular have a very vicious mindset. So like, you know like, do they have chaos purpose? They definitely the chaos purpose is strong in all of them. Um but is that a, a Trevor? That's Hagelbon? Yes, yes it is. It is. Oh yeah. Oh hell yeah. That's but um fuck, I'm trying to think of which bar that might be. Because which venue did you guys play? Good good comedy. 
It's oh. the place. And it's like right across the street. Right across the street from Good Goods. That's in like around Chinatown. Off the thing. Yeah, I think so. It, I mean, that city yeah. is like the last city that looks like a real place. Like it does. The, the Philadelphia, to me, does not feel touristy in a way that every other place mm-hmm. feels very touristy. It's funny because they finally like kind of what do you call it redone the center city like mall area in the front to make it more touristy but it's like in a chintzy and shitty enough way where it still kind of feels like philly because <laughs> like they, they just can't they can't even be touristy right and that's like the most endearing thing about philly to me where it's like they're just it's never gonna it's never gonna happen and that's like good because i don't you know like i don't want it to turn into like a full you know well, I mean, what, the, what it could be. One of the weirdest things about Philly is that, like, it is a northeastern major city, right? Like, it is. It is a. Uh, everybody knows Philly. It's famous from movies and stuff like that. But like, and and people probably think you got. They will probably say Philly's like New York. It, somebody from fucking Idaho probably is like, yeah, Philly is basically New York people, but like. Philly people are hillbillies to me. Like, <laughs> every time I go there, I'm like, this is like way more like this is such a rednecky city that they would have more in common with somebody from Idaho than somebody in New York. It's not like New York at all. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no. Yeah, they have that rep, and they have like a real inferiority complex, or they did, you know, about like being considered New York Junior and stuff. But the the vibe is so fucking different. I that it's true. Like especially South Philly, where like if you want to talk about like kind of rednecky guys, like that's where they all you know congregate. And that's probably I mean most relevant for the purpose of our podcast because uh, wrestling is that's a South Philly thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, Pittsburgh is even more uh, uh-huh. uh, uh, more yeah. like New York than Philadelphia is to me. I think Philadelphia feels off the fucking rails. I think that city feels off the rails when I'm there. <laughs> there's there's really not many places like it. And that's the thing. Like, I get why a lot of people hate the city. Like, it makes sense to me. But, man, I, I fucking love it because it's just it's such a strange place. <laughs> it's uh, even Pittsburgh. Yeah, they've succeeded a little bit in making it more like uh like they made it a hot spot. I mean, there was a huge DIY scene there and all that kind of stuff, but yeah. Philly is a very like oddball place. Philly, it Philly, is. man, it's it's so strange. There's so we we want to uh we had a show booked, obviously. You you guys knew that. Uh we yeah. had a show booked that got canceled from by, you know, coronavirus. And yeah. uh, I was so fucking excited to go there and take a bunch of people there because like it's just it's it's a play it's not like like new york to me feels like and kevin you've talked about moving out of new york and and like this is to me it feels like you can't leave your house for less than 70 dollars in new york city or in new york at all oh yeah no everything's super expensive philly has cool venues did you guys ever book the baseball like the uh, batting cages yeah that was our first live show with chapo Actually, we played everybody, oh, everybody hits, yes. right? Yeah. Uh, with Chapo the first time we came, and I was like, "This fucking city." I, the, the the thing about New York and Philly that blew me away for some reason that that we don't we do not have this stuff here anywhere really in the Midwest is people in New York and Philly that own like stores. 
they'll just put everything they own on the sign instead of a name of the store. Everything they sell, it'll be like <laughs> just a list of fucking yes. products on a big fucking sign on the outside of the store. <laughs> that was the big lesson I got. That was the big thing I learned about about Philly and New York is those things because it's just like such a I don't know. It, it is like a different world over there than it is here. Where where have you thought about moving, Kevin? Um, just away from the city. I don't really I I can work remotely. I don't really want to spend a lot of money to live here. Yeah. So like would you like do you care where you end up? Are you like a dude that cares where they end up or or would you I'm, like, I wouldn't want to go too far, but like it just too it's too expensive to live here if you don't have to. So yeah. Wyoming, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, I think sounds like a good place for you, Kevin. It does. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to go that far. Montana? This is me. You can't go to CZ. You can never get to the flyer skate zone there. That's true. That's true. You can't go. You can't. There is probably no wrestling. I mean, there's not a lot of wrestling, indie wrestling left in the country anyway, you know? Yeah. I mean, you're like... At least in Ohio, where like they still they have AIW. I mean, like that's kind of nice, you know. And I don't know who else really runs Ohio. That's by I mean, besides the big companies, Philly. I mean, we still get a bunch of stuff, you know. It's not always good, but we get it. And then Kevin, I mean, you're in New York, so I assume you get a ton of shit. Yeah, you get the. There's not really any good local indies in New York, but they but you get all the touring stuff. That's yeah, yeah, and that's most. Or, and you get yeah, like no. strange lucha indies. <laughs> Those are the best. Also, mm -hmm. just get like every cultural event comes rolling through both Philly and New York. Like you're going to yep. get if there's a fucking uh, a major tour happening, like Rage Against the Machines going to both. Yeah, <laughs> they're not coming to Columbus. Yeah. I got to go up to Cleveland for it. <laughs> Once or in a while, they, or if they don't get the tour, they always end up being the headliner for one of like the three festivals they have a year now. That's yeah. exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah, because like once in a while, uh, bands will skip Philly. Where I'm like, ah, fuck. They always end up showing up at. Uh, I mean, we have that fucking Made in America Bud Light thing, which is it's mostly just Philly becomes like uninhabitable for a few days. But have like, you been? Exists. Have you been? I've never actually been to it, man. That's the thing. Cause it's just like, it, I'm, I'm very cheap and I don't, I'm not really like, I like going to individual shows. I'm not a festival guy. Have you been to a so, festival like, at all? Um, no, that's the thing. I've just never really had interest in it. It sucks, it's, but you should try it once. It's very, it, I mean like it's trying, it's so expensive. We we went to Austin City Limits this year, and I'm going to tell you guys this, and I didn't buy any mer no merch, okay? That's impressive for you. I bought <laughs> we no and I didn't buy any for my daughter. Nobody got merch. It was all just food and like drinks and like you know, paying for phone batteries and shit. $600 in the first day. And there were 2 days <sighs> <Jeez>. after it. <laughs> <laughs> just like, it just everything costs money it's so fucking expensive to go to these things so um, i've i've gone to like the the single day ones or then gone back the next day and it's never really close to that expensive that's different me. yeah the that's thing like is i don't i guess i don't drink 
That's true. I don't. So I was ever buying drinks. Like we were just sneaking other things in there and doing like and so and that was like all the expense. And I don't. I never really noticed merch stands like records or shirts or anything at those things. Yeah, that's not really. That's more for individual shows. You're into like really weird music though. Kevin, don't yeah, you I mean, like noise? I, no, I am. yeah, I am, but I've gone to like like the big ones, like the Governor's Ball and those ones, yeah, that get like all the the normal acts. But and even them, you spend a lot. But I guess I guess since I don't drink, that's the real money. Yeah, see, that's the thing is like I was in that spot where I never had enough money to go to festivals. Like probably in the time where I most would like going to festivals, and now that I do, I'm like I've aged out a little bit, you know. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm a few years younger than you, and I feel like I've aged out of them already. Yeah, yeah. Where I'm like, I don't know if I could do it, and it's like, uh, but also, ah, fuck, I lost my train of thought. Go on. <laughs> Well, I went because I took, I, I mean, I went to the festival, right? I went to Woodstock 99, which is like the only festival <laughs> that you ever oh, need to yeah. go to. <laughs> that's the best fucking festival you can go to. Easily. I, yeah. I picked the right one to go to, but then, you know, my kids, my kids getting a little older and, and, uh, you know, it was like 21 Savage, Lil Uzi Vert, Tame Impala. It was just everything a teenager would like right now. And, uh, we we're just like fuck it let's go and uh went and checked it out i i mean it was pretty cool i like the city of austin uh yeah. i would definitely get a hotel i i think people that that well no that does, the camping doesn't happen anymore i guess it does at bonnaroo i was gonna Coachella. say that's really just bonnaroo at this point right like i can't think of any others that are i gathering the jugglers yeah yeah you I, I would just get a hotel because like camping at a like we camped at Woodstock '99 and it was a fucking miserable experience. Like the whole time, it smelled like trash there. It was hot, and uh, you know you're sleeping on the fucking ground all night. <laughs> well, guys, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, sure, no problem. Man. Thanks for having us. Yeah, and, I mean, this, we came on and just I was like, I'm just gonna see what happens and it turned out pretty well i think hey man we always have fun here's the thing guys i i love i like you guys are the most fun dudes two of the most fun because if i say you're the most fun then everybody else i ever podcasted with will be like oh fuck you you know but you two are you guys are two of the most fun people that that i record with regularly and also you're sweet guys and and actual friends listen to the bad wrestling podcast uh, I'm on it once a month, so if you're listening to this, you would probably like that. And uh, follow uh, Chris's funky ass DG, right? That's that me. Yes, uh, yeah. I was on Tumblr a long time ago. It's funky ass dice game, which is a UGK lyric. I'm stuck with it now, man. I can't get I away from it. So. For the first few years, I followed you. I thought you were like trying to do like a funky dragon thing. You know what? Sure, we'll go with that. I, <laughs> I think feel like everyone thought you were a Dragon Gate fan the first time they saw the, <laughs> the first time they yeah, saw. Yeah, it's, it's very funny because I could never get into Dragon Gate. So, like, <laughs> I was like, I'm kind of stuck with that too. I was like, yeah, it never really clicked with me. But um, yeah, uh, you can follow me there and uh, just he's, the podcast. He, yeah, sorry, go ahead. He's great. Like Chris is Chris is a really fun follow. You you should definitely follow him. He posts uh he posts uh. A lot of good like rap stuff and also you're just you know you guys like the 
you guys just really get a lot out of like just bad shit and <laughs> there's a lot of bad shit out there yeah well it, you know what though there is just so much bad shit if i can be honest though like if you can pull this off because i'm in the same boat with you two you know i i love i like bad stuff i don't give a shit if something is good and uh and if you can make peace that things are bad then you can enjoy almost anything that you watch Oh yeah, I mean, there's plenty of shit that I hate, but like you can you can try and find some novel and just crap too. Yeah, I remember I really liked the movie Cowboys versus Aliens. You remember that movie? <laughs> no, I, I have never uh, seen that. You never saw? <laughs> I mean, it that's generally out. my one my one weakness is like the Sharknado kind of like trying to be bad on purpose. Those are those are the things that really kill hey, me. Hey man, that, that was a too. Hey, be fair. This was a big budget movie. Yeah, yeah. Daniel Craig and it. I've never seen Sharknado, but I would. I went to Cowboys. Like you know the Alien. kind of genre I'm talking about. Yeah, right? that shit sucks. The Sharknado. Yeah, that, that stuff's all. That's garbage. But, yeah, because uh, it's not funny. I don't, because I, it's, it's trying to be funny, and like the the appeal of a lot of this is it's not trying to be funny. Yeah, it's sincere, and that's the best stuff to. Uh, that's the best stuff to see. Kevin is. Tell him, I don't know. Um, D-A-R-U-K-I-N-O-I. It's like a Japanese wrestling thing that I just inverted the name on. I never really thought I would use this account, and now I kind of only use this one. Yeah. Kevin's great. Uh, I, he has been around since like the very earliest of the early days. Like, uh, uh, I have been talking to Kevin since like, yeah, we did. I feel like this is like going on like seven or so years now. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and, and so, uh, all these guys, bad rest podcast, B A D W R E S T. That's what it is, right? Bad rest pod, bad rest podcast. And let me also jump in. The most recent episodes has Brian on it. We talk about Eric Bischoff in 83 weeks, and we are about to drop, which is to say when I edit it, which can be any time, uh, an episode on the 2010 feud between Kane and The Undertaker. And um, <laughs> uh, please listen to those. And also, I, I'm sorry to hijack your podcast for a second, Brian. No, I, go for it. I'll be quick. Um, I want to recommend a movie to everyone. It's a 1991 documentary by um, uh, the head of a Christian clown ministry. It's called Clown Ministry Video and is a how-to on being a Christian clown who comes to nursing homes. And uh, it, uh, if you want to learn how to put on makeup, how to be a homeless clown, all this kind of thing, it's, uh, it's probably my favorite documentary. <laughs> and... Um, it has the it has like a distancing effect i think nothing i've ever seen has so uh that was the one film recommendation i want to drop before we go thank you, thank you for I, indulging me. i'll check that out all right just well, to sell our show one more time before we go brian was on the last one i'm pretty sure you said you're recording another one with us next week on man cow right yeah i'm gonna come yes. on their show yeah. and talk about man cow's feud because I got Kevin and Chris are uh, obsessed with Man Cow now too. So yeah. <laughs> he, he's a powerful force. You can't not think about him. Who isn't like fascinating? I I don't know how you could like. He's I, one of those like sacred fruits that once you get into it, it's well, you just get in there. You're and trapped. Like, there is no talent here. It's really incredible that there's like zero talent here. <laughs> <laughs> we can never keep just if you even mention him like you add five more minutes to whatever you're talking about that's true all right thanks for doing this guys
And uh, we'll be back Sunday, I think, for the call-in show if everything fucking works. Who knows anymore? Uh, Peace.